I'm John. And I'm David. And you're listening to the Autocorrect Podcast. So this is a race recap, but it's a double header. So we had a race last weekend and a race this weekend. Yeah, last weekend was Spain and today was Monaco. Yeah, and both were pretty interesting. Yeah, Monaco sort of has a reputation for not being the most interesting race on the calendar due to difficult overtakes, but today was the exception, I'd say. But we'll get to that later in the episode. So we'll start with Spain. Charles Leclerc qualified on pole position and certainly led what appeared to be a dominant race until he had a mechanical issue and was forced to retire. Yeah, there were a lot of incidents. That's one way to put it. <laughs> yeah, the mechanical failure was kind of was uh, you know it was unfortunate because he was leading. It was very unfortunate. He would have won the race if he didn't uh, have the mechanical failure. Yeah, that would not surprise me if he had. And the other interesting thing was another retirement at around the same point was uh, Joe Guanyu in the Alfa Romeo, which also uses that same Ferrari power unit with another power unit fault and mechanical failure. So not sure exactly what the uh, cause of the issue was. Um, Not sure if that's been published or not. There were a lot of physical incidents, though. Yeah. So that gravel trap on turn four took a lot of victims. Yeah, primarily... Or rather, notably, Science and Verstappen. Science was the first one to go off at turn four, and then Verstappen a couple laps later. Fortunately, this time, Science was able to keep the car moving and didn't get beached like he has twice already this season, which is really quite a shame to see that uh, it's a gravel trap that catches such a great driver like Science out in such a great car like that Ferrari. So that that corner wasn't it, there was also one of the Haas yeah, cars it, that but that was because they contacted with uh Lewis Hamilton. Yes. Uh, that was uh Kevin Magnuson right there on the first lap. Yeah, that one was a little different. But it's so. interesting that going down into turn 4, it was a crosswind that caught both Carlos and Max out. So it's just very interesting that something as simple as a, a gust of wind can push one of these cars completely off the track. Yeah. It seems like they would have figured out a design flaw like that. I don't know if that's so much a design flaw as more of a artifact of the new aero regulations. Yeah, I mean, it has to be a pretty strong sidewind still. I mean, we've seen in the past uh, these F1 cars get affected pretty heavily by wind, but I just think it's interesting that in one race we had two different cars caught out in the exact same corner by a crosswind, and they both completely exited the track. Yeah. So other than that, there it was. Uh, there was some decent. Uh, what do you want to call wheel to wheel? There's a lot of wheel-to-wheel racing, especially in the last stint. Um, what was it, like last 15, 20 laps? Yeah, around there. 
Uh, there was some really good wheel-to-wheel racing. And the other thing that I think is worth pointing out is we mentioned briefly this incident on lap one with uh, Lewis Hamilton and Kevin Magnuson. Lewis was not very happy about the incident, uh, rightfully so. I mean, he dropped all the way down to 19th. But he was uh, coming on the radio saying how they should just save the engine and retire the car. He didn't think he could make up any ground. But he had a phenomenal drive for the rest of the the race. He finished, what, fifth? It was high. In the, if you listen to the radio, they were talking about kind of just going easier, not going full throttle to avoid DNF. Yeah, that was to do with Mercedes' cooling issue. There was yeah. a issue that became apparent, I believe it was in FP3 is when the issue first became known of an issue with the uh, cooling package they had fitted to the W13 for this weekend, or for that weekend. Um, obviously, Spain in May going to be pretty hot. Yeah. It was a very hot weekend in Barcelona last week. Um about a 32 degrees Celsius ambient temperature, which is right around 90 degrees Fahrenheit, and around a 55 degrees Celsius track temperature, which is right around 120 degrees Fahrenheit. So pretty grueling conditions, especially for a huge F1 car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he is the he is the enemy unless it's tires and then he too much heat is the enemy, but not enough is also. I think it's really interesting to look at just the sheer amount of packaging that they have to do on these cars. It, it's insane. I, I would really be interested to see what the surface area of an F1 car is compared to the surface area of all of the components that make it up. Hmm. Yeah. Well, there were a couple other incidents that weren't you know a couple other things that happened that weren't bad incidents um we had uh lewis hamilton came in with that swooping overtake oh that was an incredible overtake that was very good he kind of he just took it wide and really just swooped right in at the at the end of uh i don't remember what turn that was but it was uh it was really smooth and obviously we've seen lewis hamilton struggle a bit this year um i don't necessarily know that his heart is in it this year obviously the w13 is not as dominant as cars like the w11 w10 but we can see that he was definitely struggling a bit but a move like that shows that he still has the skill there's no doubt about that yeah of course but it's definitely taken a toll on all the teams yeah, these these new regulations are arguably one of the biggest sets of regulation changes that we've seen. Certainly the biggest set that we've seen recently. Uh, the last set of regulation changes in 2014 was also pretty drastic, but I would say that these 2022 regulation changes are even more drastic than the 2014 changes. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, the 2014 changes is when they switched from uh turbo v8s to 1.6 liter twin turbo v6 plus hybrid so that that was a huge change but i think that these aero changes which is mostly what the 22 regulation changes were is all aerodynamic stuff we'll cover this 
in a bit more detail when we do our F1 deep dive episode relating to um, regulations, which I believe is the next one on the list. Look for that probably in the F1 2022 summer break. That's probably when we'll uh, get most of those produced and come out shortly after that. Yeah, I'm not sure. We uh, Our schedules are kind of a nightmare right now. So. To say the least. Yeah, they'll settle down after... Mine will settle down after June, but... Hopefully mine will settle down at some point, too. <laughs> yeah, so those that's been put on hold for now. But Let's talk about how that race ended up, and then we'll go into Monaco. Yeah. So Max went on to win the race. Uh, I really think Charles would have won the race if he didn't have his mechanical failure, so a shame to see that. But Max did win the race, and with that took the lead of the championship. Checo came in second, so that made it the first Red Bull 1-2 of the year. And the first Red Bull 1-2 for quite some time. The 2021 season, we only saw McLaren produce a 1-2 at Monza. And then George Russell took his second podium of the year, coming in third. Yeah, that's that mechanical failure really kind of put a damper. <laughs> They could have, I think, uh, Leclerc could have done, uh, you know, one or at the very least podium. Oh, absolutely. He definitely would have gotten a podium. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But I, I think he also would have won the race and possibly made it a grand slam. He was starting to open up a huge gap and, and potentially could have, uh, opened it up so far that he could make his pit stop without, uh, losing track position. Yeah. So let's talk about Monaco. Monaco, that was, I think that was the most exciting Monaco Grand Prix that I've seen in quite some time. So it was raining and we had a delayed start by over an hour. About an hour and nine minutes is what the start was delayed by. Yeah. Mind you, there there were talks about rain the whole weekend, but up until, pretty much up until it started raining, Everybody thought it was just going to be a short drizzle that would just pass by, uh, maybe bring out the enters for a couple laps, but nothing as drastic as it actually was. Yeah. It was, I mean, they tried, there was a delayed start of about 15 minutes, and then they sent the cars out behind the safety car, uh, essentially just to do weather scouting to see how the cars would react to the weather. And in one of the shots, I think it was... I think it was the shot of the swimming pool chicane. You could see that it was just a torrential downpour. Yeah, and you could see the standing water on the on the track, which is the bigger concern than the actual downpour. Obviously, Monaco is a street circuit, so you're dealing with municipal water management as opposed to a surfaced track that is specifically designed to wick water away. Yeah, so it, it they did the formation lap and then and then I believe two laps behind the safety car before it was red flagged and uh it was about another 45 50 minute wait at that point before we saw some more action. I don't think that did they start? At, they start they didn't start until after. No, the race started uh I believe it was either an hour and 9 minutes or an hour and 8 minutes after it was right. supposed to. Right. So they just had the formation 
And that didn't signal the start of the race. The interesting thing, though, is something new with the 2022 regulations is we've we've had the rule in the past where from the scheduled start time, the race has to be completed within a four-hour period. Sorry, not from with the scheduled start time. From when the race was started, the race has to be completed within a four-hour period. Yeah. The new with 2022, and this came after the disaster that was Spa last year, is... In that four-hour period, once the race is started, it has to com- be completed within a two-hour period. And I'm not sure exactly why, but that two-hour period started about nine minutes, eight, nine minutes before cars were actually on track. So I'm not sure exactly what the reasoning behind that was. Yeah. So what that meant is that we pretty much ended, we ended up looking at a timer for the last lap. Yeah, well, for the last handful, for the last last half hour or so, we got a timer because it was, it became clear that the race would not reach the seventy seven planned laps. Yeah, it's a, it's got a lot of laps. Well, it's it's a one of the shortest, if not the shortest, circuit on the calendar. Right, and for anybody that's remotely familiar, you know, there's a lot of, it's a it's a hard, it's a hard circuit. It's a very hard circuit. One one of the hardest and. After being to Miami, obviously Miami was the first time this year round. Miami is also a very difficult circuit. I think Monaco is easily twice as difficult as that. I'm not a Formula One driver, so I can't really put it into perspective myself. But watching live, you could see that Miami was a very demanding circuit. So with that, we also know that Charles Leclerc and Monaco don't mix. Up until today, he had never finished his home Grand Prix, which is sad to say the least. Uh, Formula 2, sprint race, not a feature race, didn't finish. 2018 with Sauber, nothing. 2019 with Ferrari, still didn't make it. 2020 didn't happen because of COVID. Then last year, qualified on pole. After he got his pole lap, he binned it in qualifying and couldn't start the race. And then this year, just a couple weeks ago, he binned it in Nicky Lauda's Ferrari 312 in the historic Grand Prix. So he got his Monaco crash out of the way before the actual uh, Grand Prix. But just terrible luck for Charles Leclerc. And this year was a little different. He qualified on pole again and got a Decent start in the rain, and then really started to pull away. It was a Ferrari front row lockout, um, so he really started to pull away from Carlos Sainz. And um, then as the track was drying, uh, Ferrari made the call to put Charles on inters, which was a bit of a dicey call because the, the track was drying and it looked like slicks would be an option, and that's the strategy that Carlos was on. He was on, He wanted to go wets to slicks instead of going to the inters first. So Charles came in for inters, and I think he was on the inters for what, two or three laps? Maybe. And then it was just a a really bad strategy call from Ferrari. They called Charles in for slicks, and then they called him back out, but he was already in, he had already crossed the uh, white line, so he couldn't go back out. Talking about you, Lewis Hamilton, 2017. Still mad about that. They didn't get a penalty for that. 
Yeah. Um, so he comes in and just catastrophic for him. It drops him down to fourth, which is unfortunately where he finished the race, but he did finish the race nonetheless. Red Bulls, though, they, they played the strategy masterclass. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that a little more towards the end of the race, but just just sad for Ferrari that uh, they made this mistake with the strategy. Yeah. So it took a while for the track to dry. Yeah, right around half distance is when the track really started to dry, and that's when we saw teams coming out onto slicks. Yeah, the Yeah, the tire choices were interesting. Strange. To say the least. Yeah. But there were a number of incidents we should go into. Yeah. There there's just so much variance with the tires. When do you come off the full wet to go to the enter? When do you come off the enter to go to the slick? Do you come off the wet and just go to the enter or do you go straight to slicks? So many different choices. With a track like this, it's a street circuit, so it doesn't dry as quickly. No. So it was dicey. And there were quite a few incidents because of it. That's one way to put it. Yeah. So let's talk about those. The first major incident was Mick Schumacher. He uh, came off the racing line. Uh, I don't remember what turn it was at. But he came off the racing line and just got caught out on a little bit of the wet track on slick tires and uh, sent him into the Tech Pro barrier. Yep. Fortunately, it was quite a ways before he hit the barrier, so he was able to scrub off a lot of speed, but it was still a hard hit. I mean, the, the gearbox just completely se- separated from the survival cell. Yep. Which apparently is part of the new 2022 design. Uh, after Grosjean's crash in 2020, um, the gearbox was now designed to break off from the survival cell much easier than it had been in the past. But it still takes quite an impact for those two to separate. Yeah, so there were a few other... We should also note that Mick Schumacher was completely unhurt at by this accident, which was just great to see. It's always nerve-wracking when you see an impact like that, especially where a car splits in two. It was a very serious collision. I'm surprised and obviously glad, but I'm surprised he's okay. Yeah, it's great to see it when a driver just hops out of the cockpit and walks away. So there is a very famous hairpin near the Fairmont. It's possibly the single most recognizable turn in all of F1 and maybe even all of motorsport. Yeah, it is. It really sets the stage and shows how difficult the the you know the circuit really is. It, it turns you 180 degrees. You are going the opposite direction that you came into the turn. It's there's no other turn like it in F1. And it is, you know, Pretty much, it's the poster child of hairpins. Yeah, it is. There are tons of great clips of people drifting around that that hairpin. I especially love the clips of the like 1950s and 1960s Grand Prix race cars going around that. Yeah. So let's wrap this one up. Yeah. So uh, Sergio Perez 
won the race for Red Bull in just an absolute masterclass of a strategy call, which I think is what he needed is coming off of uh, Barcelona, where he lost the lead of the race due to team orders. He probably would have won that race if um, they didn't want Max to win. There, there were team orders that, that told him he was on a different strategy and to let Max throw. Yeah. But it, it was a Red Bull masterclass and a Ferrari stumbling block. Yeah, that's a pretty accurate depiction of it. Sainz did manage to snatch second, which was good to see. I, I thought for a while there he was going to to maybe pull out ahead of Checo. I think if we did go to full race distance, if we did go to 77 laps, he might have been able to take the lead and win the race. But that's a huge unknown, especially at a track like Monaco. Yeah. yeah. The, it was very clear that towards the end, the Red Bulls were uh, starting to struggle with degradation because they were on a softer compound. They were on the medium compound, whereas Ferrari elected to stay on the hards when um, during the, the red flag period that uh, Mick caused it with his accident. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, I think that's uh, that sums this one up pretty well. Yeah, the next race is uh, in Baku, Azerbaijan. We haven't decided what we're going to do with that race. It is a doubleheader weekend, uh, but Azerbaijan may come out alone because we're actually going to be in Canada. So that'll probably delay the Canadian GP uh, race recap. That might not come out until Tuesday or Wednesday of the following week for that race. It'll probably come out for the Wednesday episode with whatever the Wednesday episode is. Well, but we will probably you know, kind of summarize what it was like being there too. So it'll be a little more than just a race recap. Yeah, so Baku will probably end up being its own episode that comes out on race day. Yeah. Yeah. So, we, uh, we're going to be starting a newsletter. I am working on getting uh, our website ready and published. We'll, prob- we'll post probably on Instagram some more details about that once it's actually ready to go. But we have a lot of plans for this year. It's been, we really wanted to stick to a Wednesday, Saturday, two episode a week schedule, and neither of us have had the amount of time we expected yet. No, work and school had different plans for both of us. Yeah, really. So we're both working way more than we thought, but my schedule clears up in June, end of June. Mine just after. Might. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm all, all of time, we'll be able to get episodes out more timely we have an episode that i meant to get out on wednesday it did not get out it will go out with this one it is very interesting actually it's about the dew line and the uh, long line stations and the microwave relays all cold war uh, secure communications really cool stuff uh, and we talk about the nuclear hardened skyscraper which many people will know and a few other things and then we talk about the nuclear hardened bunker that's in our own backyard <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's something but that's uh that'll be going out either with this episode or on wednesday hopefully with this episode and uh when we get the website live we will post it on instagram uh, so if, I, if you guys want to keep up with you know what we're doing a little bit of behind the scenes uh, we are getting a little better about posting on our instagram which is just the autocorrect podcast so that's gonna be it for 
this episode. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening.